0: Your hour of thrive time be- be- be begins now. now with your host Jay Mamie on the Jay Mamie Talk Show Business Edition.
1: Good day, everyone, and welcome once again to the Jay Mamie Talk Show. This is Jay Mamie, and you have now entered your hour of thrive time. And wow, are we going to be thriving for the next sixty minutes today? My friends. You know, if this is your first time visiting this program, you're going to ask yourself, where has Jay Mamie been my entire life? <laughs> at least for the last three and a half years. Well, we've been at the Jay Mamie Talk Show week after week, airing phenomenal broadcasts, which are now filling up our library to the tune of 145 prior shows. You can go to the J and binge here to your heart's delight all of the prior episodes. And today's show is going to be no different. Today's going to be one of those memorable shows that you will hear over and over and over again, because the quality of content that's going to be aired is going to have long lasting thrive value for you and your life. And I mean that. So I hope that you take to heart to share the show, share the broadcast, share with everyone you know and everyone that that you haven't met yet because one day they're going to be inspired by what they hear and they'll have you to thank. And today's show is no different, my friend. We have two amazing individuals that are pouring so much into the global community that not having having both of them on the show would be a sin. Our first guest Really doesn't need an introduction in terms of his credentials because he is one of the most popular faces in the political scene, in the media, uh, in government, in the military community as well. Lieutenant Colonel Allen B. West is going to be joining us today. Lieutenant Colonel Allen B. West, not only was he a former congressman, but he was a an award-winning, distinguished award-winning combat veteran for the U.S. Army. And he's has his own TV show, his own podcast, very successful. He's a best-selling author and one of the most sought-after speakers because the man continues to inspire with his wisdom and his common sense approach to building not only a quality life, but a quality country. We're gonna pick his brain today, and I tell you what, he's got some phenomenal things to say. You're gonna be blown away. But on the heels of Colonel West, we're going to have another gentleman that is just rocking it in the corporate world because he's teaching others how to have a breakthrough so they can achieve greater results. Robert Cabusia is not only a master neuro-linguistic programming trainer and coach, but he's also an author of the new book, Awaken the Magic, but more importantly, the one thing about Robert Cabrucia is that he puts his money where his mouth is. He's not talking the talk, he's walking the walk. One of the most successful real estate agents in the country, top five. He's from the Northeast. He is now taking that wisdom and sharing it with everyone. And boy, is he making an impact. He's going to be on the show today. Folks, we've got a fantastic program. I can't wait to come back after the break with these two individuals. But I want you to know, if you've not had a chance to catch my prior shows, you can go to the jmaymetalkshow.com. Make sure that you check out all of our prior broadcasts there. And you will find it'll be a life-changing experience. I'm excited about today's show. We're coming right back with Lieutenant Colonel Alan B. West.
0: Are you an educator feeling underappreciated, unmotivated, or
2: uncertain about your next steps? This is Amy Schmidt with Chrysalis Clear Coaching. As a former educator, I understand the increasing pressures teachers face, and I specialize in guiding educators through life transitions, identifying strengths, and cultivating a positive mindset. Take control of your destiny. Let Chrysalis Clear Coaching be your guide as you embark on a transformative
0: journey toward a brighter, more fulfilling life. Don't wait any longer. Visit chrysalisclear.com to schedule your free consultation.
3: Are you feeling stuck? Struggling to break free from self-doubt and limitations? Then it's time for you to awaken the magic within. In my transformative book, Awaken the Magic Within, you'll discover the secrets to unlocking your full potential. Learn powerful NLP techniques and mindset strategies that have empowered countless individuals just like you to achieve their dreams. Don't wait any longer. Awaken the magic now and step into a brighter future. Get your copy of Awaken the Magic Within on Amazon. Visit awaken the com which is dot com to grab your copy today. Your transformation starts now. Awaken the magic within and unleash your true potential. Visit awakenthemagic.robscoaching.com and get your copy now. Let's make 2024 your year of transformation and success.
2: Welcome back to the Jay Mamie Talk Show Business Edition.
1: Welcome back, everyone, to the Jay Mamie Chalk Show. I am so excited about our upcoming guests here. You know, I said in the beginning of the show, I get excited every week when I put on a program. Uh, but there are certain times that I am extra excited because the individuals that are coming on are, are not only personal heroes of mine, but people that I believe bring so much value to the world that they are just uh, an intergroup part of our communities these days. And hearing their thoughts and and really what makes them tick is so critical. And that's the story with our guest today. I mentioned earlier, Lieutenant Colonel Alan West is not only a name that needs no introduction, uh, but someone that is so highly respected in our community that having him on the show today is an honor. So, Colonel Allen West, welcome to the Jay Mamie Talk show.
2: Jay, thanks for having me on. And it really is a pleasure. And I'm glad that we finally got connected uh, with all of the six degrees of separation. We finally got it down to zero.
1: That's right, brother. And you know, I knew the time would come. I just had some faith. I said, you know, timing is always when it's supposed to be, not when we want it to be. Correct. And uh, so I'm glad that we we're gonna we're gonna pack ten pounds of groceries in a two pound bag over the next thirty <laughs> minutes, brother.
2: <laughs> we're gonna have fun doing it.
1: Yes, sir. So let me ask you this: I I mm-hmm. recently released a book, uh, doing very well, called 10 Toxic Traits That Keep You Broke, Busted, and Disgusted."
2: Mm-hmm.
1: it's a closer look at progress inhibiting behaviors in your career in your observations and your positions of leadership and your vast resume of experience what would you add as a trait that you would say people exhibit that does one or two things it, it it prolongs their progress but then what's a healthy trait that a person should um exercise to accelerate their success so i give you a whammy but i let you go for it brother
2: well, I will tell you, it goes back to some of the maxims that my dad raised me on, uh, and I have it you know here in my uh, my little office, and he said, "Find out what the standard is and exceed it." Uh, and And I think that's so important that you go into any situation that you're in and you you just see what is required of it. what's the mission, what's the task, what's the purpose? And you just set your sights on exceeding that. And I think that that is what keeps you from being held back. But on the converse of that, I think what keeps a lot of people held back is the 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 parable of the two Vs, as I call it. Mm. Either you choose to be a victor or you choose to be a victim. I think too many people in our country right now are choosing the latter instead of the former and they're listening to the rhetoric of victimization and victimhood. Uh, And if you take that as your standard, then you're never going to be able to excel. You're never going to be able to achieve higher and greater. So I think that those are the two things, you know, understand what the standard is. Don't ask for it to be lowered, Exceed it, and always see yourself as a victor or not a victim.
1: You know, you mentioned something about your father and I've heard you speak often about your father and how much of a role model he was.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and obviously you grew up in a solid home, which is a challenge today. We'll get into that yes. a bit later on in the, on the program here. Cause I grew up in Spanish Harlem. I'm a product of adoption. I have a twin mm-hmm. brother. My parents came here from Puerto Rico in the mid sixties, didn't know anybody. And uh, you know, growing up with the uh, in Spanish Harlem in the early seventies, you had your mm-hmm. challenges. But your father told you early on, rather he gave you high expectations, and I I know that story, right? Mm-hmm. Well, my father, my my mom and dad, not having a whole lot and being in an environment that was very difficult, had high expectations of us as well. Mm-hmm. And I believe that's the reason why we are where we are. But what's the danger? Because we live in a time today that the the expectations are set low. Yes so what what is the the challenge with setting low expectations to, in today's society um, with the way that the challenge that we're facing around not only in the US but around the planet?
2: Well, I would tell you, I'll never forget when I was going through uh, United States Army Airborne School back in 1984 and uh, they're called the Black hats, the Airborne instructors. and uh, Sergeant Black Hat looked at us one day and he said, man, if you set the bar low, you're going to jump low. And that was one of the most phenomenal things. I mean, to think you're a young lieutenant, you're going through airborne school. And and really, when you go through airborne school, there is no rank. I mean, you're just, you know, an airborne wannabe. Mm-hmm. And so you're all there together. And I think that's important to also understand is that that unity and purpose, which is so important. But, you know, when we don't have those key individuals in our lives early on that can, you know, chart out a course for us and give us that challenge that we can meet, and maybe we'll get into it later, but uh, my dad challenged me at the age of 15 to be the first officer in our family because he was an enlisted man in World War II, and my older brother was an enlisted Marine in in Vietnam, both combat veterans, but he wanted something better for me. And I will never forget the day at the University of Tennessee, 31 July, 1982, when I was commissioned as a second lieutenant in the United States Army. Dad was on my uh, right shoulder, mom was on the left shoulder. Only time I saw my my dad with tears in his eyes at that time, and sadly, that was the only time he saw me uh, get promoted because uh, I got promoted to first lieutenant while I was stationed in Italy, and he passed before I made captain. Mm-hmm. So I think it's so important that, and this is not to say, Jay, that uh, a single mother cannot do it, but it's harder for a single mom to do it, especially with a young man growing up in today's society. Mm-hmm. Uh, I- I- incredibly, so. But you've got to have that positive role model. And I can tell you that having spent 22 years in the military, a lot of these young men that we saw coming from these broken homes, these inner city communities, they they latched on to a drill sergeant. They latched on to a platoon sergeant because they were looking for left and right limits. They were looking for someone that would institute and instill in them a sense of discipline, honor, integrity, and character. And I think that's what we're missing in uh, today's culture and today's society. We have taken the family. we just completely broken. That's right. Uh, and, and and I think that we're seeing the ramifications thereof. Look what just happened in Philadelphia, where all these kids get, mm-hmm. get together and they go out and just ransack stores. Mm-hmm. Dad, my dad would have beat the living you know what out of me. That's right. If I said, you know, I'm going to go out and hang out with my buddies and smash up some stores. First of all, he would not have let me go out with my pants hanging down and my underwear showing. Uh, and, and he would have never allowed me to to do something that dishonored him. So I think it's so important we get that sense of family back together, that uh, very important traditional nuclear family that gives those left and right limits, that has that proper God-given balance uh, for a child to grow up. Because it says in Proverbs 22, says you train up a child That's right. in the way they should go. When they grow, old, they shall not depart from it.
1: You know, one of the things that I, I, I completely agree with you is we live in a time where I think excuse making is acceptable. Totally, right? So you can make excuses or make alibis for somebody, and because enough people are giving you an out, you take it, and that mm-hmm. automatically lowers your expectations, personal expectations, and that's a rippling effect. Uh, you know, that that home that doesn't have a father or a lazy one or a lackluster one. Those bad habits, those toxic traits that I talk about in my book are only going to get passed on from generation to generation. Yeah. And you'll have broke generation to broke generation to broke generation as opposed to the opposite. So yeah. we're going to dive into that, the, the structure of the, of the home today, um, because I think it's so important. And if you're going to talk about a positive future, you have to start at the core. OK,
0: no,
2: you're but absolutely right.
1: You, you mentioned your parents. And and one of the things that I know um, now I'm 54 years old, I, I've got enough experiences under my belt that I know what my watershed moments are, yeah. right? I'd like for you to share a little bit, uh, Colonel, your watershed moments, because watershed moments, they, they change your per, your perspective in life. They change your idea your ideologies. Uh, they either make you a better person or a worse one, right? Um, mm-hmm. they're, pu- they're pivotal uh, points. What would you say are the watershed moments that you've experienced? And I'm gonna give you four areas to consider this question. And not only from your parents, what were those watershed moments in your military service, your mm-hmm. political career? Let's talk about that. And then what watershed moments have you learned from being a father and a and a husband?
2: Well, I'll start out first and foremost from, you know, in, in the family aspect, from my mother and father. It does go back to that day when I was 15 and my dad challenged me on the steps of his house. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we did not live in Section 8 housing, my dad wanted to have his own home. Uh, to be the first officer in the family. That that gives you a course that you set for yourself because that meant that I started out in high school, junior ROTC, and then went on to the University of Tennessee and college ROTC. So that was a watershed moment because I knew that I wanted to meet my dad's you know challenge and I wanted to exceed that uh, expectation he had. And my mother, she worked for the 6th Marine Corps District Headquarters there in Atlanta, Georgia. And if there was a watershed moment, uh, the first time I saw one of these incredibly strapped Marines, uh, uh. a black officer. And I just had this feeling. I want to be like that. I mm-hmm. mean, with with that steel up in the spine, squared shoulders, you know, tight haircut and everything. So it was those examples that were provided to me. and uh, And so that was very important. When you look at my military career, I will tell you that the watershed moment for me was 1985. Uh, We were doing uh, training up in West Berlin. They had a combat in the city's training facility there. And you got one day to go through Checkpoint, Charlie, which meant you got over to East Berlin. Mm -hmm. And you can just imagine a 24-year-old kid from the inner city of Atlanta, Georgia, now all of a sudden walking the street with Soviet soldiers and officers, Mm -hmm. seeing the despair, the despondency, the depression, seeing what communism and socialism and all these things were up front. That let me know that I never wanted to see that happen in my country. And I understood what the oath that I took, you know, to support and defend the Constitution. And I understood the principles and values of the United States of America. And that really did help me to establish my political philosophy. And now, if you want to transition to that, Mm -hmm. because in in being an officer in the military and and taking that oath to the Constitution, you got to study and read and understand the Constitution. And in America, the individual is sovereign. The individual is sort of the preeminent entity. And that's what the Declaration says for. That's what the Constitution codifies. And so that was my political philosophy, was that, as Abraham Lincoln said, we have to make sure that we protect and preserve the government of the people, by the people, for the people. Uh, And what is so disconcerting is we see more special interests and self-interest of uh, a career political elite class instead of servant leadership which is something that, again, I learned in the military. So I think we need to get back to to that. And when I look at the lessons that I've learned, you know, being a dad and and now granddad, uh, I'll have my second grandson in a few months. um, I learned a lot from my wife, who's, you know, she's originally from Jamaica, and her dad served 24 years in the Army also, but it is about us being together. She has incredible strength. She's a, a wealth management uh, advisor. She has an MBA and PhD. I'm just a dumbass guy. You can jump <laughs> out of airplanes, man. I used to shoot it So, so we complement each other in so many ways, and I think that's important. And as a family, we have to you know certain. Uh, examples we set for our two daughters who are now 30 and 26 you know I have to show them the you know the the respect and show them a strong male role model and I have to be that which they go out and seek in in other young men that they're looking to have in their lives so uh those are the the real critical moments and and I'll never forget when I when I held my first daughter uh Aubrey and you mm-hmm. live in Aubrey right. Texas right that changes your life. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, because now here's this little helpless being Mm -hmm. that is completely dependent upon you. And you got to step up your game.
1: Listen, the excuse making days are over when you're holding that little baby. Yeah. Right, you, you go from having a sense of urgency to a state of an emergency, mm-hmm. and you better have the firepower and you better have all of the, uh, the ammunition you need in order to transact that, uh, that state of an emergency. Yeah. Now, you mentioned your parents. My as my I had two watershed moments that I could think of as you're sharing yours, and uh, so when I came to the realization that I was adopted, I didn't know until many many years later, and the struggles that my parents went through, my father picked up a fourth job. He was an uneducated man, so he did laundry. I mean, you know, uneducated. Uh, But the sacrifices that he made in order to provide these two adopted twins, because they, when my parents wanted to adopt a child, uh, Colonel, they were looking to adopt only one. Yeah, they got a bogo.
2: (laughs) (laughs) They got one. They got one.
1: And I mean, what they they went down back in those days in the '60s, you can just show up and put your name on a list, and there's a lot less today, right? Than than the, the the stuff you go through today. Um, so they were looking for one and they, they the agency director said, Look, we we got two and they're twins. So my parents couldn't they, they couldn't fathom separating two brothers and they believed that enough yeah. faith that God will provide and and he did. Um, but when I realized the sacrifice, I told myself, I can't let these people down.
2: Yeah.
1: I can't let these people yeah. down. Well,
2: you know, know it's interesting you talk about no excuses because you know, I, I remember going to speak at the University of Buffalo and the, the black students there came out shouting me down and everything because I said, no, I don't believe America is a racist country. Look at where I i was born in a blacks only hospital in Atlanta, Georgia, in 1961. And look what I achieved. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, I told them my dad was born in 1920 in the South. My mom was wow. born in 1931 in the South. They didn't look for excuses. Right. they They didn't see themselves as victims and they didn't raise us. There are three boys to be victims either. And so I think that, you know, we had a saying in the military, the maximum effective range of an excuse is zero meters. <laughs> you know, Love that. it's about time that we stop accepting these excuses, stop affirming bad behavior. I think one of the worst things that parents did for children today was that stupid thing called a participation trophy. Mm-hmm. Because Correct. now you've got kids that are grown up and they're still looking for a participation trophy. They're still looking to get something You know, for nothing, Uh, because I remember my dad telling me, you know, when I said I want to play, you know, football, he said, I'm not coming to the game to see you sit on the bench. Mm. I'm coming to the game to see you play. Mm. And you better do what is necessary for you to play. Mm. And and, and I was like, I'm not going to embarrass my dad. I'm not going to dishonor my dad. Mm. He's going to sit up in the stands and say, boy, that was a good hit or that was Mm -hmm. a good catch or whatever. We have got to restore that in our Mm -hmm. kids. And and as that Sergeant Blackhead says, stop setting the bar low for our children and our grandchildren in this in this present age.
1: You know, don't don't get me started, Colonel. <laughs> <laughs> don't get me started because, and I, I want to ask you one question before we go to break. But but since you took it there. I have a hard time because this goes back to what you said, participation trophy. And I think we're raising wimps and weenies. That's right. Yeah. Compared to you and I, they're raising wimps and weenies. So one thing that I, I've noticed when I moved out here from New York that I, to this day, I can't fathom why this happens because I think you are providing a crutch for kids. So mm-hmm. in the, the, the school systems out here, uh, they have where you can drop off kids in front of the school. Mm-hmm. And you have these long lines of parents who, who will wait one hour just to drop little junior off right in front because junior can't walk. He can't that walk. Long. I mean, come on.
2: Yeah.
1: You know, wow. I mean, it's I don't understand this.
2: You know, yeah, when, I, when I, I lived
1: in New York, I used to take the train or take the number five in Manhattan all yeah. the way to the Bronx to go to Cardinal Spellman in the, and then walk a mile in the snow. It didn't matter what it was. Yeah. And these kids got to get dropped off right in front because they can't walk 10 feet. Yeah. What are we doing here?
2: Well, you are raising a generation of whips, whiners and wussies. They can't, you know, uh, stand up for anything. Uh, if their iPhone goes dead, they they break down. They, ca- they can't uh, live. It. And look at the suicides we have amongst our young people because they don't have that tough, resilient, and Correct. resolute character. Uh, I got a great story. I'll tell you, you know, back in the day when I played, you know, high school football, there was no rules about targeting. If you did not lower your head and and slobber knocker a guy, you were not going to get the the chance to play on defense. Uh, So I was a pretty vicious hitter. I was a safety. And uh, I went head to head with this guy and hit him so hard I knocked myself out. And so I'm over on the bench on the sideline. Back those days, they didn't call the ambulance or whatever. They gave you the smelling sauce Mm -hmm. and, and you came out of it. And there was my mom. My mom came down out of the stands, and she had that soft Southern voice. She said, baby, she said, are, are you all right? And I said, yeah, Mom, I'm, I'm pretty good. She said, you sure? I said, yeah, I'm all right. She said, well, when you get back out there, you got to wrap him up. Your chocolate <laughs> technique was horrible. You can't just hit him. You got to wrap him. I mean, that's a Southern mom. Yeah. That's, that's the kind of mom we, we need today that you know says, I want my, my, my man child to be a man child and to grow mm-hmm. up to be a man Mm-hmm. And and not to look for excuses to say I can't, you know, and, and that's something that I, I continue to live for. I never say I can't. Mm-hmm. I say this is what can be accomplished. And mm-hmm. I tried to teach my officers that when I was a commander. But you're right. I mean, we grew up and in, in, in we were taught to be tough. And right. you look at that generation of my mother and father came up through the, the depression and everything like that. They didn't look for again. They didn't ask for excuses, look for excuses. They they didn't look for anyone to cut away for them. They just wanted the opportunity to be able to show that you tell me what I need to do and I'm going to exceed. it.
1: You know, the the, the day and age uh, is over. I think the philosophy that I and I still live this philosophy today. Kern. I think you probably live the same way. I'm going to make a way. I'm not going to make an excuse. Yeah. Don't make an excuse. Make a way. Yeah. And if you fail. okay, Right. But don't make don't don't let your default setting is jumping to an excuse because that's not going to work. Before we go to break, I got a great question to ask you, because today we live in a time where truth is an inconvenience. Mm -hmm. Truth is a messy thing. And and we live in a day where people don't want to face the hard realities of truth. So they will mold facts and stories to to fit their their own ideologies. Um, But why is it that today the resiliency of truth has to hold fast more than ever?
2: Uh, because if you don't live in a world of, a, of, a, of ex- objective truths, mm-hmm. then you're going to fall for anything. My mom used to say a man must stand for something or else he'll fall for anything. Look, no. mm-hmm. no, here, two plus two equals four. Okay, it, it doesn't equal anything else. Two plus two equals four. But now all of a sudden we have people saying that math is racist. right? Uh, because what they're trying to say is that it's too hard for certain kids based on mm-hmm. their skin color to be able to do. I loved math. And the reason why I learned to love math was that my dad used to sit down and he would have me go through the box scores of the Atlanta Braves games and figure out, okay, Rico Cardi went three for five. Hank Aaron went two for for four. What was their batting percentage in that game? I I mean, that's the type of something. Or, you know, Phil Necro was on the mound. He threw X amount of pitches. X amount of those pitches were strikes. I got interested in numbers. And the next thing you know, he's showing me the business section of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. You think Mm -hmm. about that movie, Hidden Figures, where those women were there so important Mm in the Apollo program. Mm -hmm. But now all of a sudden we've gotten to the point where we're telling them that understanding these these things of physics and science and math and truth, you don't even have two genders now. You can have 60-something genders. We have gotten so far away from foundational truths and fundamentals uh, that is very disturbing and that is also lending to people saying that I'm a victim and making excuses for things. Go out there and, and study and understand and seek out the truth. And, and I'll tell you, as a, as a Christian, Jesus Christ said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I'm the life. Mm-hmm. And I think it just starts with that truth, first and foremost.
1: You know, you, you said the key phrase, uh, Colonel, foundational truth.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I think there is no foundation that is being taught to kids. Uh, that deals with that foundation of truth, I think is truth. And we'll make it up along the way.
2: You're right. And, You're and, absolutely right.
1: and you know what that in the end, when the strong winds blow at the scripture, say, right, the whole house is going to crumble anyway, because yeah. you didn't build it on any solid foundation. And that's where we're at right now. Before I uh, before we bring uh, go, go to break, I, I want to prep the next question for you, because I think it's important to to kind of dive into your political career Uh you left the military service highly regarded, right? Combat veteran, uh, distinguished honors. You could have gone anywhere. You could have got. You probably could have got a nice offering, either working for the government or or in a, in a military sense or a corporate leadership position. But you decided to go into the into the jungle of politics. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean,
1: you went. You left one battlefield and got into yeah. the Talking <laughs> Talk about a toxic environment. I want to ask you, when we come back, what possessed you to make that decision, brother? Um, because you were inspired by something, knowing what you might be up against in the swamps of politics. Mm-hmm. And we're going to pick that question up right after the break. Hey, everyone. Jay Mamie from the Jay Mamie Talk Show. Excited to announce that my 10th book, 10 Toxic Traits That Keep You Broke, Busted and Disgusted is now available on Amazon. And since its release, the readers have reviewed the book and have left stellar reviews as they have come to recognize the book as a valuable resource to help them identify those toxic traits that keep them from becoming the best they can be. Those stumbling blocks have to be identified. And in this book, 10 Toxic Traits That Keep You Broke, Busted, and Disgusted, we're going to dive into a closer look at these progress inhibiting behaviors. The book is going to be a tremendous resource. It is for many already. Pick it up at Amazon. 10 Toxic Traits That Keep You Broke, Busted, and Disgusted.
3: Are your emotions leading your responses to situations, or are you living a life where all your capabilities are in balance? This is Randy Bowles, The Coherence Warrior. With disciplined behavior of less than 10 minutes a day, I live more efficiently and effectively with inspired actions. Let me help you learn how to use your heart's intuition to guide your brain to lead your mental, physical, and spiritual capabilities to higher levels for longer periods of time. Visit coherencewarrior.com and I look forward to serving you. Have you reached a place personally or professionally where you sense you need to be more motivated and fulfilled? Do you want to change but fear the discomfort that comes with it? Hey, I'm Bryce Rungi, author of the hit book, Wake Up, Wake Up, Wake Up. For the past decade, I have equipped students, athletes, and CEOs with tools to wake up, enhance their thought life, develop the strength to overcome challenges, and advance toward greatness. For more information, visit brycerunge.com. That's B-R-Y-C-E-R-U-N-G-E.com. Wake up, let's
2: grow. Welcome back to the J. Mamie
0: Talk Show, business edition.
2: Welcome
1: back, everyone, to the J. Mamie Talk Show, having a fantastic conversation with one and only Colonel Allen West, and we're just going into so many directions here. But I think the underlying common denominator of so far our show today is really taking us uh, looking at how do we take personal responsibility for our actions mm-hmm. so that we can determine the destiny of our future in a way that suits us and suits our community as well. And I think that probably is the reason why. And I won't take the answer out of, out of uh, the colonel's mouth, but I asked the colonel before we uh, went to break. Why he decided to pursue a career in politics after a successful military career, when he could have done anything else successfully as well. So, Colonel, why did you choose to go that route?
2: Well, you know, previously we were talking about a watershed moment. I, I should have mentioned this, but now I get a chance to. Uh, i w- I was over in Afghanistan working as a civilian military advisor to the Afghan army down in Kandahar, and on one of my breaks to come home for about ten days. Uh, there was a uh, a woman who was very active in the political scene in South Florida. Her name was Donna brossman And she, you know, arranged a meeting with me because a lot of folks that knew who I was and I've been out speaking to some local groups talking about Iraq, I guess, and what have you. Uh, and, sh- and she looked at me, Jay, and she said something new. It was a sucker punch. Uh, she said, just because you've, uh, you know, retired fully from the military, that means that you retired. From your oath of service to the country and, and to the constitution and i'll say how do you respond to that right i right. mean you, you just got me because basically what i have always believed is that our oath that we take to the constitution has no statute of limitations you should always continue to see how you could serve this nation in whatever capacity now i will tell you that you know when i was in the military if you got selected to be the escort officer for a visiting member of Congress, you know, being a representative or a senator, it wasn't because you were liked. It was because your boss hated you, because nobody <laughs> wanted to <laughs> escort these. We all saw it as a bunch of jerks. Mm-hmm. You know, they come down and you know, show me this, show me that. Oh, pick me up at this time. Oh, take me here to 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 eat. Not you know, give me a break. Mm-hmm. So, but she presented to me an opportunity. To change things. And, you know, when I think about it, you know, 50 years ago, we had upwards of 70 to 73 percent of the people that served in Washington, D.C. had served in the military. Mm -hmm. But now today, that number is down to about 16 to 18 percent. Wow! I think that's the reason why you see the difference. You don't see people that are focused on the interests of their country. You don't see people that have been willing to lay down their lives and make the last full measure of devotion for this country. You see people that are more so concerned about their own interests mm-hmm. or or interests that is not in alignment with that of, again, the foundations of this constitutional republic. So we ran in 2008, and if you remember, that was Barack Obama's uh, first, first year. presidency. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And we shocked everybody because i would never been in politics, and I ended up with forty-five point three percent against an incumbent who had uh, been a state house member, state senator, had millions of dollars. I only had like uh, four hundred and fifty thousand dollars, but it was a message that re- you know resonated with people. And so I ran again in two thousand ten and won, mm-hmm. uh, and served one term. In Congress. I was the number one target. the Democrat Party in 2012. And I'm I'm thinking, why am I the number one target? I'm just standing here, like you just said. I'm speaking about uh, objective truths. I'm talking about the Constitution. I'm talking about the rule of law. I'm talking about policy. Why is it that people don't like that, being Republican or Democrat? Because Republicans redistricted me out of the district that I represented. And so it just really encouraged me in that the political class does not like you because you're not of the political class. And that's why I think that we need to get more men and women who have served in uniform to go up to Washington, D.C. and continue their oath to the Constitution.
1: You know, I, I believe that the you say it was a sucker punch, but that punch was an awakening. Yeah. Right. Because it's so true. Right. Your military service was up, but the service of the country was not. Yeah. Right, it's just changing one uniform to the other. You got right? it. It's just fatigues to uh, you know shirt and tie. Yeah, right? a suit. That's sort of what what it was. Because the initiative is still protecting the rights of us and 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 you. Um, you did that really really well. That's why you were a target, brother. That's why you were a target. You know, back in those uh, back in that time. Uh, let me ask you this: lies serve to distract, mm-hmm. right? So in in your observation currently, what is the worst line right now that's being promulgated to our society, to our own detriment?
2: Uh, When you continue to hear people say that, you know, we're our democracy is being undermined because first and foremost, in the United States, of America is not a democracy. It's a constitutional republic. Mm -hmm. The means by which we uh, have the representation of the people is by way of a representative democracy. So when I hear these things, I I think that people don't even understand civics. And these are people that are supposedly, you know, intelligent, graduated law school. They're in these elected positions. And the other lie that I hear is when people are saying that the border is secure. I've been down to the border about 15 or so different times. Mm -hmm. And if you don't protect the sovereignty of your nation, you don't have a nation. Correct. And, And I think that this is a very dangerous position that we are putting ourselves in. So number one, we don't understand, again, the foundational principles, the fundamentals of the country that we live in, and we're not even trying to protect the sovereignty of the country that we live in. So people have got to wake up and understand those two things. You know, Jay, you and I grew up at a time, we learned civics. Uh I remember sitting down on Saturday morning, you know, eating my frosted flakes or rice krispies and on ABC they used to have schoolhouse rock. Yes, and they used yes, to talk about civics yes, and yes, all these yes, yes. So even if you weren't getting it formally in the classroom, the culture, the society still wanted to teach you about that. Uh and so we have got to get back to that understanding. And and again, it comes back to the big lie that I think is being promulgated across this country. Everyone's a victim. Correct. And everyone can come up with an excuse. And, and guess what that means? Here comes Mr. Politician that says, I'll take care of it. I'll, I'll get, make sure that you have some, you know, semblance of a quality mm-hmm. of living. Mm-hmm. And therefore, the bar is lowered. The standards are lowered. We use excuses. We become victims. We don't understand the foundation of our own individual rights, freedoms, and liberties. We believe that anyone can come into our country and, and you know, get whatever benefits uh, that that, you know, are given to them. We've got to get away from that dependency society. I think that's Mm -hmm. the most important thing.
1: You mentioned the border, uh, Colonel, and that's one of many issues. Right now, the country is facing a lot of issues, a lot of concerns. In fact, the majority of Americans, the overwhelming overwhelming majority of Americans, feel the country is heading in the wrong direction. I'm, I'm sure you've seen all the polls. At the very core, though, what is the reason why we're heading in the wrong direction? What needs to happen to pivot? And how do if you were running the country, what would be the first thing that you would say? This has got to get solved so that we could begin turning the corner Mm -hmm. on a tsunami of issues that are coming.
2: I would go back to what John F. Kennedy said in his inauguration speech. Ask not what the country could do for you. Ask what you can do for the country. Uh, And I would start to be a, a type of person that tells people what they need to hear, not what they want to hear because there's too many people out there that, uh, and and again, this is political elite class that are telling people what they think they want to hear, uh, because they want to have that control, that power, that dominion over individuals, instead of telling them what they need to hear. And that's the essence of leadership, Jay. You know, when I was a commander in Iraq in 2003, I had 600 troops under my command. I didn't tell them it was going to be fun. I didn't tell them that, you know, we're going to cross over to Iraq in 48 hours. And, you know, every night we're going to have steak and lobster. We're going to have, you know, nice cold drinks. And everything. I told them it's going to suck. Mm. I told them every single day someone's going to try to kill you. And you got one choice. You kill them or you will be killed. Uh, And I think that we need that hard type of leadership lesson. We need that hard type of talk to the American people. Just the same as you have to do that with your children in your household. You can't tell them what you think that uh, they want to hear. Uh, you have to set down some, some left and right limits and, and show discipline and honor and respect. And we don't have that now. Uh, again, it comes back to what you have been talking about is we just say, you know, anything you want to do is okay. Well, I can't do this. Okay. Well, here's my excuse. Okay. So it is time from the top all the way down. We start having some 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 tough talk with the American people and saying it's time to cowboy up. That's right. You know, because if we don't China, Russia, uh, you know, North Korea, uh, you know, Iran, Islamic terrorism, they're all waiting for us. They are all waiting to take us down, which comes back to our open border. You can't be allowing people to come into this country. You lose track of them. That's a ticking time bomb. Mm -hmm.
1: You know, I I think everything you said points to what's being what the greatest challenge is right now. We're developing from top to bottom, east to west, where there is corporate environment, the religious community, Colonel, I believe is also playing a part in this, uh, the academic community. We're developing a culture of complacency. Totally. Where it's okay and it's accepted to say, that's all right, it's okay, and take this complacent approach and I think the repercussions is what we're seeing right now with inflation, the border crime, Philadelphia. We were just talking about that a little bit, uh, a little while ago. That's just a culture of complacency, brother. And Mm -hmm. I think that if, how do we begin to turn a corner? We have to refuse to be complacent. I think we can't compromise on action. We just can't do that, but it's going to take, a strong leader, my friend, it's going to take a strong leader to say enough is enough. Um, and, uh, you know, you said it, brother, when you were talking to your troops, you didn't sugarcoat it. And I think today people don't want sugarcoating. They want to know those are the serious.
2: Yeah. They
1: want to know how do I turn this country around because I want to leave it better than I first inherited it. And it's going to take a lot of strong leadership to make that happen, I believe.
2: No, you're absolutely right. I mean, think about it now. You've got corporate CEOs that people say, I'm not coming into work. Well, I, I guess you're fired. <laughs> I mean, you know, I want to work from home. Well, you know, maybe, you know, certain times that's necessary, like when it snows or the mm-hmm. weather's bad, but you're going to be here at work. This is mm-hmm. your place of duty. That's mm-hmm. what we called it in the military. Or you have these outside groups coming in. Look at what happened with Bud Light. Okay. Right. right. How, how, what, what idiot would make that decision to go out there and say to 60 to 65% of your marketing population, we don't care what you think uh you know we're gonna thumb our nose at you because this special interest group is putting pressure on us to do so you know the the, the head of that corporation said i don't care what you guys think you know we're here to sell but like remember what michael jordan once said when he was asked why he doesn't speak up about you know more political things and you know speak against republicans he said republicans buy tennis shoes too okay <laughs> and so so it's just amazing to me that we have such weak leadership mm-hmm. in, in our corporate sector. And you're right. When I look at our pastors, you know, some of the things that we're facing right now, Jay, it's just pure evil. Yep. I mean, to to say that we want children to be exposed to perversions such as men dressing up as women and showing their their genitalia to these kids, and you got parents taking them to that. first mm-hmm. child protective services? Mm-hmm. So yes, I mean. Someone has to step up and be the adult in, in, in the homes, first and foremost. You know, outside of my house, we have that verse from uh, Joshua 24 and 15. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And and you got to establish, you know, some semblance of standards and morality in your house. And it has to be in our communities, in our churches. And it has to get into our schools. You know, telling parents and passing laws that if your child... Who's a boy thinks he wants to be a girl? We're not going to tell you as the parent. And by the way, if you as a parent disagree with your child, we're going to take your child away from you. Let me tell you something if you tried that with Herman West Sr. and Elizabeth Thomas West, they would have beat the crap out of you. Mm -hmm. So, what has happened in our homes where we're just saying, okay, you know, take our children, let them go out there and mutilate their bodies. If you're under 18, you can't get a tattoo. Right. all of a sudden we're being you You can told, have a sex change. Yeah, you can yeah. go out and make a decision. as a 12-year-old, you want to have your body mutilated. Right, right. And, and people are going along with it. So I think it is time. Uh, and you can see, you can get that sensing in the atmosphere. And I'm sure you see that as well. People saying, uh, like, what was that movie, Network? When the guy said, go to the window and shout out, I'm mad as hell. And I'm not going right. to take it take anymore. It anymore. Yeah. That's right. But we got to ch- channel that energy so that we get people focused on, you know, how do we accomplish this? How do we start city council levels, school boards, county commissions, uh, to make sure that we are building that foundation of people that are going to restore individual rights and freedoms, and especially parental rights?
1: You know, I think, I think at the end of the day, it's uh, the cause of all this is, is failed leadership. That's really what it is, right? Mm-hmm. And I think we're gonna need to go from a failed leadership to functional leadership. Mm-hmm. And until that happens, uh, You know, there's a tough road ahead. But thankfully, you've got your show. We've got this show. Plenty of other shows are out there, you know, that I think are making enough grassroots uh, uh, movements that I do believe there's a stirring that's happening. I do believe that. Uh, Let me ask you this last question here before we uh, wrap up. It's been a fantastic time with you, Colonel. you. Uh, You mentioned your wife is a financial advisor. Right. I knew that my background, my career is the same. So her and I have that in common. I've been a financial advisor for 30 years. Here's what I've learned along the way. And I think that this is something that's critical for our listeners to understand. And as we close out the show in financial services, there's a lot of talk of building a legacy. But in our industry, it's a legacy of assets and collectibles that you can pass on. And there's nothing wrong with that. Right a good man mm-hmm. leaves a gener- leaves a, a, a wealth from generation to generation That's biblical that's in the Old Testament. The Bible says a good man
2: yes
1: leaves behind something
2: <laughs> yeah
1: right so I get that, but I also believe that legacy building is not just the collection of of assets and collectibles, but it's right. the it's the actions and contributions that you make. You know, your legacy could be nothing that has to do with money, but you leave behind not assets and collectibles, but actions and contributions. Mm-hmm. And that defines your legacy. So I've got a question for you as we wrap up here. Fast forward many, many years from now when, brother, you and I are not around.
2: Yeah.
1: And when you're not around, what is it that you want Jackson, your, your grandson, when he's looking at Grandpa, Grandpa Allen? What do you want him to say about you as he remembers and recalls having you as his grandfather?
2: Well, I will tell you just the same as I remember my dad and my grandfathers, that I am in a better place in my life because of the sacrifices that they made. Uh, and, and I always go back to the, uh, the famous words of King Leonidas that he gave yes. to one Spartan. A uh, yes. soldier to take back to the Spartan city. And when he said, Go tell the Spartans and strangers passing by that here, obedient to their laws, we lie. And that is what I would like for to be my uh, epithet that mm-hmm. is on my resting spot that Jackson and my future grandson, Levi Allen, who will be uh, entering the world in November, All they right. will look at grandpa and they will say that I can stand here because my grandpa fought for me. I can stand here because my grandpa stood for truth, and he made sure that all of the freedoms and rights and liberties that I am promised, I did uh, inherit those. And so it is not the tangibles, it's the intangibles, and of course, that's how you build the incredible legacy of passing on the greatest asset that we have here in the United States of America, which is liberty and freedom to subsequent generations.
1: Amen, brother. Colonel West, we appreciate your time. We appreciate your wisdom and everything you've done for this country. We are in a in, a, in gratitude for what you have done, the sacrifices well, you've made for us. Uh, you've got a TV show also, yeah. right? Where can yeah. people find that show? Because you've got a great message and some amazing guests there as well.
2: Well, thanks so much, Jay. And maybe uh, I'd love to reciprocate and have you on. It's called Steadfast and Loyal. You can find it on YouTube, Rumble. You can just type in that uh, Steadfast and Loyal podcast and it'll pop right up. And so uh, thank you so very much for having me. And I look forward to having you over to my house and uh, let's grill a steak and look at some college football.
1: Oh, absolutely. Now you got me started. (laughs) Yeah. That'll be the next show. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Nice having you on the program, Colonel. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you too, brother. Folks, we're going to be right back after the break. Hey, everyone. Jay Mamie here from the Jay Mamie Talk Show. Excited to announce that my 10th book, 10 Toxic Traits That Keep You Broke, busted and disgusted is now available on Amazon. The book is already changing lives since its release. We take a closer look at those progress inhibiting behaviors that continue to become the stumbling blocks to your success and the better version of you that exists. If progress is important to you, then pick up a copy, 10 Toxic Traits That Keep You Broke, Busted and Disgusted now available on Amazon.
0: I'm David Kazarian, President of Student Optimum Services and the Licensed Debt Arbitrator. We have one mission in mind, to cut down the $1.7 trillion in federal student loan debt by as much as possible and help hardworking Americans just like you achieve financial freedom. Our process is not a settlement or a refinance. We are not a bank or a lender. We are on your side, and we go up against these lenders to get you on track for student loan forgiveness by utilizing programs offered by the Department of Education. These programs are available to you regardless of the school you attended, your employment status or employment field. Over the past 13 years, we've helped thousands of borrowers save millions of dollars on their student loans. Student loan payments are resuming September of 2023 after being on hold for over three and a half years. So the time to take action is now. You have nothing to lose but your student loans. Visit www.studentoptimumservices.com slash to schedule a free consultation today.
1: Hi, this is Jay Mamie. As a lifelong fitness enthusiast and professional bodybuilder, I know the importance of removing impurities and flushing out toxins to maintain a healthy colon and intestinal system. This is why I take and recommend Renew from First Fitness Nutrition. It also has helped me replenish my probiotics, which is necessary for a healthy gut. Learn more at healthyfriends.firstfitness.com. Welcome back to the Jay Mamie Talk Show, Business Edition. Welcome back, everyone, to the Jay Mamie Talk Show. I'm looking forward to our next guest. Not only is he an author, but he's also a NLP master trainer and coach. Now, for many of you who don't know what... Uh, NLP stands for, that is the, uh, neuro-linguistic practice where you really are working with individuals to take a deep dive into what holds them back. He's going to share that whole story. But in the beginning of the program, I mentioned why he's on our show today. He's the author of the new book, uh, Waken the Magic. And he's going to share what that means and why that's an integral part of his coaching and teaching. But we're going to go behind the scenes a little bit on Rob Carbusier and why right now he's the hottest coach, the hottest trainer in the space of uh, neuro-linguistic practice. And he's going to share with us a little bit about his story and what we can do to get out of our own way with our own personal stumbling blocks. And he's with us today to share his wisdom. Rob Carbusier, welcome to the Jay Mimi Talk Show.
3: Hey, Jay. Thank you so much for having me on board today. Grateful to be here.
1: Rob, before we dive into all the goodness that you've got to share uh, with our listening audience, I want to scale it back a little bit. You and I know each other for a very long time, and I was so happy to see that you have pivoted for quite a while now into becoming this highly successful master NLP coach and trainer, and we're going to dive into that story. But before we do that, let's go back and learn a little bit about your personal story, if you could.
3: Yeah, definitely, Jay. I mean, uh, hey, listen, born in Dominican Republic. You know, raised in the United States, uh, I always like to tell people I have uh, Dominican hardware with American software, <laughs> 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 because most of the, mostly everything that I do is like American is right. And uh, yeah, I mean, listen, uh, I've, I've been through so many things in my life and, uh, and in business. And, and that's where I've really focused most of my energy, because as growing up as a kid, you know, grew up with a single mom lots of different trials that went on with that and with the, the those trials and tribulations you know my mindset obviously you start to pick up stuff right it's like anybody mm-hmm. else and mm-hmm. uh, and as i got older i started to realize that the one thing for me if i wanted to have the life that i truly desired i needed to start working on upstairs definitely mm-hmm. so for me that is uh that is something that i started to pursue in my life so i went through different venues, whether it was through management training courses, you know, obviously all of us go through motivational speaking trainings and, Mm -hmm. and and we we go through the whole gamut of all these things, reading positive books. Um, and that helped me out to a certain extent, but then as time goes on, unless I resolved the things that were going on in my past, then I started to hit that one thing that's going on today that people are talking about a lot, which is imposter syndrome. And that was something that, uh, that was a challenge for me to, to to face. But with the tools that I developed and with the tools that I developed and the tools that I got from neurolinguistic programming, which we'll talk about in a little bit, you know, I was able to snap out of one mindset and shift into a different way of looking things. And that improved my life so much, so much more.
1: You know, one of the things that I admire about you, uh, uh, Rob, is uh, you grew up in, in the hood. Right. Single uh, a, a product of, of a single uh, parent home. And yet you rose above. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't uh, all, uh, you know, peaches and cream and you had your struggles. And as as many of us do when we grew up in those environments, but you were able to pull yourself out of that because you sought the resources that can pull you into tomorrow. And I think that's what a lot of people don't do. They don't look for the resources. They don't seek the the coaches and the training and all of the ways for them to get into a better place they get stuck in a place that doesn't serve them you did that so kudos to you you mentioned neurolinguistic and I, you know that's a that's a buzzword it's been a buzzword for a long time lots of people don't know what uh, the whole discipline of neurolinguistic uh, practices are here you go not only do you take the course but you become a master NLP coach and trainer uh, i'm curious to know how did you even pursue becoming one, but before we do that, let's just break down what NLP means a little bit, so that we can make sure that our listeners are are staying tight with what the rest of the segment is going to entail.
3: Absolutely, absolutely. Well, when it comes to neuro linguistic programming, it's just like the way it sounds, right? Neuro, it has to do with the mind, and then linguistics means the language, right? Language pattern, language communication, and then programming, just like you would a computer. Mm -hmm. the word programming is involved. So in essence, Jay, our minds can be programmed and our minds can be reprogrammed as well too. So we can be programmed to behave in one manner, but then we could also change that behavior by reprogram, reprogramming it in a different way. And we do that through the tools that are in the toolbox of neuro-linguistic programming, because neuro-linguistic programming isn't one thing. It's actually a set of tools that are used that can help people achieve their best life and their best results fast. That's the key thing is that it's a very,
1: very fast approach. And what inspired you to pursue? Because you were doing very well in real estate. You're one of the top real estate brokers in the country. Uh, I spoke about that early on in the introduction. And now you pivoted towards this brand new space. Uh, So I'm interested in knowing what inspired you to pursue that. What problem did you see that you could solve that becoming a master NLP coach and trainer would solve?
3: Well, the biggest problem that I realized is that even in my own journey, when I jumped into real estate uh, back in 2004, I, I struggled through the success that real estate could possibly bring me. And I didn't realize realize this is actually paralyzed a lot of my activities and paralyzed a lot of who I was, even though I had the talents, I had the skills, I could do it. I could be an amazing person. But deep down inside, man, I just didn't have the confidence and I didn't have the 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 the, the mindset that would carry me through that. I was more than enough to be a mm-hmm. successful real estate agent and through through different coaches different trainings that I went through, I started to realize that I can pretend to be successful in my mind, right? What do they say? Fake it till you make it. But then as time went on, (laughs) you know, I became successful. I I put a lot of homes on the market. I mean, I was listing 100 homes per year. And as time went on, I started to realize that I wasn't satisfied deep down inside my heart. I started to realize that there was an emptiness where even at that level, I felt as though, man, do I really deserve this? And once I started continuing my my journey of transformation by pursuing different courses and different classes, that's when I started to learn about NLP. That's when the true Robert Carbusier started to come out. That's when I started to really uh, understand who I was as a human being. And when I was promoted to be the team leader or the CEO of Keller Williams in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, as I coached agents, I could give them all the practicals do this, do that, make this amount of calls, make this amount of contacts and so on and so forth. And I started to see the same thing in them that I saw in myself. Mm. And that inspired me mm. to have a deeper conversation. And that was with regards to their mindset. And the moment we started doing that, that's when psh, the light bulb went off with the agents that I was coaching and, 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 and the magic started to happen. So that inspired me to become a master trainer and coach.
1: That's amazing. You know, typically when you find people make pivots in their careers is because they find another problem that they know they can solve or at least bring forth a solid solution. And that was brilliant of you realizing that you can help your agents in much more than the tactical, technical aspect of real estate you had to go a little little bit uh, deeper with them. And, you know, many don't do that. So kudos to you. But in your work, now, you're very successful in your work, obviously. What challenges do you find common challenges, challenges that I would say are the uh, common denominator among most people who are struggling? What would you say is that common challenge that most people struggle with? Uh, In in other words, those internal stumbling blocks.
3: Yeah, what I've noticed as I've Coached more and more people, whether it's business owners uh, or even aspiring athletes who are looking to get the extra edge or real estate agents, anyone. I've noticed that the one underlying common denominator is I'm not enough. Just those phrases right there. Mm. That is the one thing, Jay, that I hear oftentimes that people just don't believe that they have everything or whatever it is that it takes. To even get started or to continue and uh and that's that's a huge stumbling block because what happens is is that the moment that they get started even if they have two or three or four wins since they still believe deep down inside that they're not enough then they just shrink back where it's like no this is the time to lean in right this is the time to lean in this is the time to be your best self I mean we're picking up momentum right now and because their thought process is I'm not enough they just shrink back and disappear and, and fade away. So that's the one common you, thing. Heard.
1: So how do you help someone when you are in a, uh, getting to know a person and you find they've got great talent, great potential, but they're struggling with validation. They're struggling with whether or not they believe they're enough and they do start to shrink back. That's a great way to put it. Cause that's what people do. People shrink back, Right. What do you do? What are some of the, the words of wisdom without giving everything away, obviously? But how yeah. do you pull somebody out of that?
3: Yeah, I think, uh, Jay, the, the first thing is to start off with, you know, what were their goals? Right. Where are they right now? What have they noticed have been their obstacles? And then the, we come up with the, the, the easier plan, which is what's the path we're going to take to get there? And mm-hmm. what I do is I focus on the root cause. So this is through a conversation. You know, we're having our conversation. This is something that takes anywhere between eight to 10 hours. Mm -hmm. And within that period of time of of weekly conversations for about a couple of hours, and obviously some NLP techniques involved, we start to discover what the root cause is. And the moment we find out what the root cause is, when was the first time that they experienced that emotion or that negative feeling or that negative mindset? And we eliminate it. It's like plucking it out of their mind in a sense. Right. Once that's eliminated, then it's like anything else. Have you ever heard of the game Jenga before? Absolutely.
2: Yes. yes. Right.
3: So so with the, the game Jenga, the moment I pull out a piece, then the whole tower starts to crumble and fall down. Mm-hmm. And the key is, is to go back as far as possible, find a root cause, pull out the negative piece get the learnings and then move on from there. And, 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 and,
1: it's like magic, bro. I'm telling you, it's, it's an amazing process. You know, I like the way you use the analogy of, of Jenga because that does create a great visual. I just pluck it out. And as you're saying, pluck it, all I kept thinking about was the, the landscapers who, when they work on a backyard and they're trying to pluck the weeds out, right. They know, man, if if you don't pluck those weeds out, they're coming yes. back even stronger. Right. So as soon as you identify those that crabgrass and all these different, I'm in Texas, man, these, these weeds out here, they're tenacious, man. These things are <laughs> surviving 150 degrees it's unbelievable. And you pluck them out and they come back even bigger and stronger than, uh, than before. So you have to go deep in the root to get these suckers out. And then here's the key. It's not just digging the root out deep to get the whole thing, um, out of that, that soil. But then you got to provide the good stuff on top. You got to provide the good stuff on top to keep that root from ever coming back again and the good grass to grow. Brilliant. Brilliant. And that's the process. Right, exactly. That's the process. So, you know, you mentioning the Jenga kind of reminded me of that. Let me ask you this in our last couple of minutes here. Uh, you were inspired to be a part of the book. It's a great book. I had a chance to, to review the contents of it. I think it's it's a book that, whose time has come, Awaken the Magic. What inspired you to be a part of that book? And what do you want the reader to walk away with after reading the book and reading your personal uh, philosophies in the book?
3: Yeah, I think the, the 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 main inspiration that came from writing the book is, and, and I'm sure you could probably relate to this and so many people where we always say one day I'm going to write a book Mm -hmm. one day, I'm going to write a book and it just keeps getting put off and put off. And then it got to a point where, you know, I, I was like, enough is enough. It's time for me to start pouring my knowledge out there. And this is one of the best ways that I can be able to create a legacy for myself, something to pass on to my children and pass on to other people. And, uh, with my knowledge of NLP and how much it's helped me and my clients, I decided to to pour into this book and and to put in there the things that supported me the most in terms of my own personal transformation. And obviously, I didn't get into uh, you know like this isn't like a, a huge uh, three hundred page book or anything like that in terms of giving everything away uh, in one shot. But it's just the main topic so that this way people can be able to have an understanding that these things exist. And it can help you to have a better life if you start the conversation there. And obviously, from there, I think the, the best way if somebody wants to really dive in into uh, into what I do and what I teach is literally to reach out to me and connect with me. And, and obviously, after they read the book, they'll be able to have a better context of it.
2: Well, the book is called
1: Awaken the Magic. It's available on Amazon but where could people find you directly to continue this conversation about NLP and and you help them get that Jenga stick out? <laughs> right. <laughs> the,
3: the, the easiest way, if somebody wants to reach out to me, they can just send me an email to robert at robscoaching.com. That's R-O-B-S coaching.com. And uh, even to find a quick link to my author page, they can go to awaken the Magic dot com and you'll be able to see my author page and this book and any other future books that I'll be publishing in the near future.
1: Rob, we appreciate you being a part of the J. Mamie Talk Show. Great value, great content. We're going to put up at our site all of your information so that way our, our visitors can check you out uh, with ready reference access immediately. But folks, that wraps up another fantastic show this week. Wow, what an incredible program today. Lieutenant Colonel Alan West. Robert Cabrusia, both on the same show. This was a thermonuclear broadcast, my friend. Make sure that you share it with your colleagues, your contacts, your friends, your family. Share it with those you like and share it with those you don't even like either, because this is a life changer. Until next week, keep driving.